Today, we're going to talk about hope. I did actually entitle this first off, uh, Is the Glass Half Full or the Glass Half Empty? But we'll get to that a little bit later in uh, terms of the way we, we approach hope. In the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, the word hope is used in a variety of different ways. It's used in a lot of different ways. Now, Paul often used to travel around and say things like, well, I hope that you know, I'll come and uh, see you soon. As in uh, 2 John, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use power, paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, that's quite often the way in which we would use hope. You know, hope to come and see you soon. You know, hope for the best. Hope that uh, uh, things will work out. It's this kind of, uh, sometimes it's a little bit nebulous. Hope for the best. It's a bit like blind faith. Doesn't really exist, but there you go. It's not got any particular objective. It's just, I hope that this will work out. Also, we also have hope that the Lord will do things for us in this life. All right? We hope that he'll turn up in time. We hope that he'll do the stuff that we need him to. And a lot of the Psalms are like this, actually, where they're talking about we've got an experience of the Lord from the past, and we really hope that he'll turn up and that he'll save us. He'll sort us out. He'll vanquish our enemies. And again, 1 Corinthians is a bit like this. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, above all people, most to be pitied. So if we're working for the Lord, okay, which is a great privilege, which sometimes people think about predestination, actually, as something like this, that we've been chosen before all time, right? And people get a bit mixed up with what's free will and all that. Well, you know, I leave the, that for the Lord to, to sort of work out. What we're told is to spread the gospel, tell people about the good news. But would it be that we've been chosen so as that we can spread the good news now? That it's our privilege that we've been saved before the end of our lives in order to be partners with Jesus. Now, that I could see as something really predestined. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen me, that I can be saved, in my case, at 16, and I can know you for most of my life. I didn't come to you when I was 40 or 50 or something like that. So there's a sense where we're predestined in that sense. I'm going, going off at an angle. I probably will a few times. So if, if only we have hope for this life, then we ought to be more pitied because we work, we do it for the Lord Jesus, we do it because we love him. But at the end of the day, if there's nothing else apart from that, we might as well just be like everybody else. Miserable. But Paul, when he's writing, he wants the, Corinth, uh, the Thessalonians to know a little bit more about this hope. So we move on to the next verse. we got, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep. That is the Christians, by the way, he's referring to in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Listen, guys, he's saying, there is a hope and it's a different kind of hope. Now, the Greek word for hope is elpis or elpis. Not quite sure how to pronounce it. And the word is a dynamic hope. It's a word which is positive and sure and certain. And it's used in the Bible, and this is what I really want to concentrate on today, in terms of our hope of salvation, right? And that that hope is not just a, I hope God's going to save me. I hope at the end of the day there's something there. 
I hope that I've done enough good things, which has nothing to do with the gospel. I hope I've done enough good things so that on balance, I'll go and be with the Lord in heaven. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 6, which you all probably know quite well. And we're going to start, if you've got it in your Bibles and you'd like to follow it, it might be useful. We're going to start with um, verse 13 and read through to the end of the chapter. And this is talking about the certainty of God's promise. So we start right back with Abraham, who is considered as one of the, 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 those who, uh, who exercised faith, who saw what was coming, who saw the promises of God and hung on there. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, that is, you and I, okay, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us, that is the hope of salvation, the hope of being with him, the hope of being in heaven, the hope of uh, spending eternity, in the presence of God, uh, may take the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. Okay? May be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a, great, a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I'll just unpack particularly that last verse but those last two verses a little bit for those that maybe are new to the bible or new to new to um some of this stuff when it's talking about we have a hope firm and secure i'll deal with that in a minute it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain you probably most of you know that the, in the uh, jewish worship in the tabernacle or in the temple there was an inner sanctuary hidden by a very heavy curtain that the high priest only went in once a year. And that, was, that symbolized the barrier, if you like, of holiness between God and the rest of mankind. He went through a ritual purification and he went in and offered sacrifices and stuff for the sins of the people. No one was allowed to enter in there. Anybody that entered in there would be instantly slain by the presence of God. He was so holy. We couldn't possibly go in. No one could go in except for the, as I say, the high priest once a year. Now, what Jesus did, and symbolically, when he died, he said the curtain, or the veil as it's sometimes referred to, okay, was torn in two, and the way to God was made open. So it's that when Jesus entered in as the high priest, as the pure son of God, he made a way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies through his sacrifice on the cross. Okay? So in Jesus, we get embodied the, both the high priest and the sacrifice. Okay? 
And, as I say, it opens up the way through to the Holy of Holies. Now, we talk about Jesus, our forerunner in verse 20, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the priests were Levites. They were ordinary men who lived and died. But in the Old Testament, there's a story about a high priest who was also a king who had no beginning and no end. It's what we call sometimes a type of Christ. It is a person who appears in the Old Testament who is actually Jesus, basically, making an appearance in the Old Testament. If that confuses you, we can talk about it at some other point. But take it from me. This is what it's referring to. Now, Abraham came, and when he just won a battle, because he had to battle a little bit occasionally to get his... uh, to to claim his promise, as we all do. He came and made an offering to Melchizedek. Now, the point about Melchizedek is it's a different order of priesthood to the ordinary Levites, to the ordinary high priest who had to come in day and night, uh, sorry, year on year to make the sacrifice. Melchizedek had no beginning, had no end. He was a king priest. And Melchizedek represents, or was, Jesus He's the king. He's our priest because he's our go-between between God and ourselves. And this is what this verse is all about. He's a high priest forever. Once and forever, he made the sacrifice. It's enough. It's more than enough for us to find our way through to Jesus. Does that make sense? Everybody follow that? Okay. There's a lot more theology in there we could talk about forever. But I can see one or two glazing over already. And I'm boring myself. So, I'm not boring myself, I am boring myself. Maybe I'm boring myself. Okay, so let's concentrate on the hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That's on Cornerstone, by the way. That's also, it's it's a a song that was written in the 19th century, which has got a couple of verses added, a bit like the Amazing Grace one we had before, which has uh, an extra chorus added in because... Somebody thought it would be a good idea. And the same with Cornerstone. It's a 19th century song written about 1840 or something like that, I think. And it's called Solid Rock on Christ the Solid Rock, you know, etc. There's two references there. It talks about uh, my anchor holds within the veil. That's what this, this is the verse that that's referring to. Within the veil, again, the curtain, our anchor holds there. It's firm. It's not going to give way. That anchor ain't going to give way under the weight of that man. That's the biggest anchor I could find a picture of. It's like that. It's got a massive chain on it, and it's not going to break. So our anchor holds within the veil. Um, the, other, the other thing is uh, uh, talking about the sweetest frame, if anybody's looking at that. That's talking about the world's constructions. Anything that is the world can build, all right? It's just an old-fashioned way of saying it. It's going to be nothing compared to what God's got. You know, it'll just collapse. But with Jesus, it's on solid rock. It's, it's firm. It's not going to change, all right? So the promises that God makes, the promises that he says about our salvation, about us being with him, about us going to heaven, about it'll be okay in the end, and it is there. It's not some just figment of someone's imagination. They're all true, and we can rely upon them. That's the kind of hope. We don't use hope in that sense, at, you know, in our present language. We don't use it in the sense of something that's certain and sure. And the reason why it's called hope, as opposed to anything else, 
is because we don't yet see it. All right? It's something for the future. But as it says, it's firm and secure, a sure and certain hope. I just had some stuff sent up from my mum, which she kept all stuff that she was going to burn it. And it was all my younger days stuff and things like that. So Han uh, was up in Liverpool, saw her over the weekend, and um, brought back a few bits and pieces. And there was things referring to me, my degree ceremony, um, and various other things, which I didn't have copies of. And, and she gave me, it's quite nice to look through them. My vain bid for... Um, uh, being in the district council, though I was a town councillor, and other bits and pieces like that. But in amongst them was my dad's Boys Brigade membership card, um, 1946 to 47 season or whatever it was, I don't know. And we know what the, um, the Boys Brigade uh, symbol is and what, they, uh, what their motto is. Anyone? It's an anchor, and written across the top is sure and steadfast, yeah. Sure and steadfast. So we have this hope. Now, imagine not having that hope. Martin Luther King said this. If you lose hope, somehow you lose the vitality that keeps moving. You lose that courage to be, that quality that helps you go on in spite of it all. And so today, I still have a dream. He never lost hope. Right to the point where he was assassinated. He never lost hope. So I think, well, how do I, what gives substance, what gives, what gives reality to that hope? Because it's not just hope, you know, otherwise it's just hoping for the best. What do I base this on? Where am I getting the evidence that I need that gives me the hope? Because otherwise, it might as well just be something like, well, maybe something will turn up. Maybe when we go to heaven, there'll be a big man with a white beard. And you say, come on in. Who knows? But it's quite clear in the Bible where our hope comes from. Hebrews 11.1. 1, Hebrews has a lot to say about faith. In fact, hope is mentioned in 22 out of the 27 books of the, of the New Testament. And some books is quite substantial. It's mentioned in 34 different Psalms. So hope is a big thing, you know. It's not always the same hope. But hope is uh, important, and this hope is mentioned very much, very much indeed because all the time Paul and the other apostles are talking about the hope we have set before us. This is the sure and steadfast. This is the certain hope. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's the difference between faith and, and, and hope. Faith gives substance and assurance that brings us hope, okay? So faith and hope aren't the same thing. One gives rise to the other. And if we don't have faith, then we can become hopeless. We can drift. We can start to become depressed. Faith is a bridge between one thing and another. Sometimes we have to take that leap, and faith gives substance. Faith gives substance to it. How do we maintain hope? How do we get hold of hope? How do we maintain faith, indeed? Well, there's three things I want to look at, and they're all fairly basic. By the way, the whole series of talks we're going to do in the next few months is um, 
called Back to Basics. Now, it's not the failed political attempt to Back to Basics that John Major tried in 1993. I certainly hope it doesn't end up like that because there was a whole lot of moral failures that just collapsed the whole thing from his MPs. But we felt that let's go and have a look at some of the fundamentals of our faith, some of the things we believe, and put some practical application to it. Because it's always good to revisit these things. We forget sometimes, or we, we forget the nuances. There's, something, there's always something. It's like reading your Bible. There's always something. You say, ah, oh, I never noticed that before. Or I've forgotten that. Or it comes alive to you. So this is what we're going to be doing for the next few months up till the new year. Okay, got a few verses here. And these are all about how we can sustain this hope. So first of all, it's our Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's Jesus May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. We just know in our spirits, if we pray, if we spend time with him, we receive that reassurance. You know, seeking him is never far from us. We need to spend time in whatever way we do with him. We'll talk about that a little bit later because we're all different and different ways of, uh, of spending time with him. Also, we can encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, there's a whole load of verses about encouraging one another, but encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So in this case, Paul is saying to them, hey, guys, you're doing good. And I'd say this to one another here, you know, to everyone here. You're doing good, guys. Keep it up. Keep encouraging one another. But encourage one another, just, not just to do the stuff in this world, but we're doing it for a greater purpose. We're going to see the Lord. We're going to be together in heaven. That may be off-putting. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to see other people in heaven. We're doing this because we want to be with the Lord who we love. And our great privilege is we're doing it now, and we'll be doing it then. And finally, we need to... Read the Word of God. Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God, about God's Word. We need to read our Bibles. We need to get encouragement from that. It's so full of truth. So you are my refuge and my shield. I've put my hope in your Word. So let's just look at encouraging one another. Encourage one another. There's lots of ways we can encourage one another. But we're all different. So sometimes we get a prescriptive way of maybe read your Bible in the morning, pray in the morning or in the evening, do this every day and that. And it can become a chore for some people. Other people, it's great. You know, I know some people, some people I live with, who are really disciplined and great at doing stuff like that. Other people I live with, not quite so disciplined in that way, but prefer to do things in a different way. And so we all, we're all different. Look at that in, in, in just a sec. So sometimes we have to be careful. One of the things is about getting to know one another, isn't it? It's to know what people are like. And know that some people won't be encouraged by what you're encouraged by. Some people have different things. Have anyone ever read the, uh, the Five Love Languages? They have. It was called, quite popular a few years ago now in the moved on didn't it but actually a lot of truth in it a lot of good psychology and and, and and truth there's different ways of communicating and receiving that communication there's so many different ways you can break down something so you can say i love you what do you mean by that 
It can be said, I love you. Oh, I'm a bit offhand, you know. I love you. That's a bit over the top. You know, there's lots of different ways of saying I love you and lots of different ways of receiving it, depending on what mood you're in. Depending on all sorts of different circumstances. Depending on your life experience. I want to look at... This is one of my favourite cartoons, actually. They've broken it down. I want to look at this. The four personality types. Does anybody uh, know Gary Larson, the Far Side cartoons? You may find this a bit bizarre, but... But already mentioned the first two personality types. So, first one, they're the usual positive people. This glass is half full. All right? And we're encouraged to be like that. All right? And there's some people who really get on your nerves, uh, who, um, who, who, it's always the glass is half full, who, yeah, wonderful, encourage, and generally speaking, are great encouragers. But not necessarily if you're in the right mood, or wrong mood, or not necessarily if you have a different type of personality. I must admit, I tend towards one of these others and a little bit towards the next one. This glass is half empty. Yeah? So, sometimes it can also, as I say, depend on the mood we're in. So sometimes we might be in a mood where we're saying, well, normally I'm quite happy with this, but I'm feeling a bit down. and You know, I, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with my body chemistry or circumstances or whatever, but somehow something's just got to me and I'm just, I feel it's half empty. And sometimes I feel like that. Like I said last, was it last week, I think, talking about demolishing a house, you know, or half demolishing a house, and then you get right to the point where you've got the work and you're about to start doing the building up again, and you think, what have I done? What have I done? Oh, I'll never finish this. It's not going to work out. No, no, no. And it kind of passes, you know. But some people, just their personality is a little bit more that way. They've been brought up that way, and maybe there's things to overcome. So they're not quite so positive, not quite so hopeful in that sense of it's easy for them to take on the, the hope side of things. Don't worry. In the end, Jesus will be there with us and all this. Ah, yeah, but now I'm a bit, mm, yeah. So it's sensitivity to one another, isn't it? The third personality type on this one, which I think actually covers a lot of us. Half full? No, wait, half full? No, what was the question? Some of us are quite disorganized in the way we do things. Some of us are a little bit, I don't know, different again, and needs encouragement, and can be very encouraging. And finally, there's the type which I kind of relate to. <laughs> the awkward ones. And... But we can all be like this as well, can't we, in a way? Why should I? There's a question from some people. That's all, you know, Jesus is, what evidence have I got? You know, oh, it doesn't seem to be like that in my life. You know, and anyway, this is not necessarily what I joined for, etc., etc. We're all different. But if we all love the Lord, we can be hopeful. We can transcend our personalities. We've just got to encourage one another in the right way. There's another thing which I find... <laughs> I kind of threw this one in. You've got to see how other people see us. Guys, in particular, I want you to look at this next picture. Would you find that encouraging to lose weight? <laughs> As some guy who's lost enough weight as to, you know, it was equivalent to a sort of uh, African, complete African extended family. You know, he's standing on one leg of his pants, the trousers. Pants for our American cousins. I don't find that encouraging at all. Now, Hannah showed me something in the Weight Watchers magazine. And she say, isn't that great? Look at that man. He's standing there, you know, like this. <laughs> That's gross. 
that's really horrible. You know, I, I find that encouraging at all. I think before I said, I find competition a bit encouraging and things like that. And finds that really encouraging. Look, if he can do it, so can I. And I said, I don't want to look like that. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I start to despise him a bit. I've never met him. But, you know, it kind of, straight away, you, you've got your barriers up. So encouragement is different. Also, it's how we appear to other people. There's the next one. Now look at the faces. Now that's enough to drive you to drink. All right? That was the exact opposite for me. I know their sentiment's probably uh, good, or maybe not. But, um, yeah. Pass me a bottle quick. Yeah. We're all different. We all need to encourage one another. Just there's a little bit on, on being sensitive. And then a, a word for uh, a word. A, a, like an encouragement, if you like, to read the word. Read the Bible. Whether you read it every day or you read it in big chunks or you listen to it or someone reads it to you or, I don't know, somehow you absorb it by osmosis. However, however you find best, read the word of God. Absorb the word of God because it encourages you. You see, if we don't encourage one another, if we don't receive encouragement from the Lord, if we don't receive we don't read the word. What happens is our hope starts to fade because our faith isn't being bolstered. Our experience of the Lord is important, that we step out. And in that faith, we become encouraged. And we say, well, if God did it for me then, he'll do it now. He'll do it for me then. Or if he did it in the past, he'll do it in the future. So we encourage ourselves. We encourage one another. We're encouraged by the Lord. We read the word. If we don't, what tends to happen is that we tend to, first of all, start to lose our hope. We tend also to lose our reassurance. When I've had people who talk to me and say, I'm not sure if I'm saved, I'm not sure if I've given my life to the Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll bet at the bottom of it somewhere that there is a disconnect in their reading the Word, their being encouraged. Quite often, they're not attending the church because of some issue or whatever. And that has then cause them to start drifting, to start losing the, the assurance. Assurance we're talking about is about that hope that we have, that assurance, that solid, secure hope that Jesus has promised that we will be with the Father. And it starts to go, if you've got a lack of assurance in your life, where you're going, look at a few of those things. Say, am I disconnected in some way? I'm disconnected from God's people. Am I disconnected from his word? Do I, do I try not to listen to him? Am I doing my own thing? And of course, there's also false hope. If have a look at the, the next verse. This is from Jeremiah. As the Lord Almighty says, Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They will fill, your false, they will fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. And the the prophets were bringing word, words that the enemy would be defeated, that they would be uh, mighty, all good things from the Lord, but it wasn't what the Lord was saying. And of course they were overrun, they were taken into captivity, Jeremiah as well, and everything. But Jeremiah had a reputation amongst the people, oh there he is, the old moaner, he's going on, he's a, he's a traitor, he's saying the wrong thing, he was actually saying what the Lord was saying. So be careful about the source 
of your hope. Put your hope in Jesus. Not in a person. Not in the leaders of the church or other people or your BFF or some big preacher or somebody who has you know, got a ministry. Put your hope in Jesus. All those other things will fall into place. And yes, we do get encouraged by one another. We do see things, you know, truth in one another and, and bring, bring the way. That's important that we have that because, again, being isolated, if we're not attending the meetings, not, attend, not being with the people of God, not going to a house group or whatever, a uh, small group, sorry, whatever disconnect we've got will ultimately cause us to start drifting, will cause us to start putting our hope because we all put our hope in something, put our hope into you know, something that is false. I saw this. This is false hope. You're thinking of throwing yourself off the bridge. There is help. There is hope, it says. Make the call. Consequences of jumping off this bridge are fatal. Yeah. Temporarily out of service. We'll never get that from the Lord. Yeah, it's a phone, sorry. It's a phone to, say, to call and say, I need help. I need some hope given to me. So imagine you phone the Samaritans and they say, ah, oh, push off. They'd never say that, would they? But basically, they're saying, there's hope, you're going to be all right. Sorry, out of service. That's what false hope is like. The Lord will never do that to us. He's always there. Anyone remember a song? I was singing it the other day, um, Parchment. And it's not Light Up the Fire, who really remembers that one? There's another song called Jesus on the Main Line, Tell Him What You Want. Jesus on that main line, tell him what you want. You've got to call him up and tell him what you want. Yeah, no one remembers it, do they? I know. I'll dig it out and sing it to you. That'll empty the room. Anyway, that's what it was. Uh, that's what that song was about. Is Jesus always going to be there? The Lord's always going to be there. You know, He'll send someone round. Have you had that great experience where you just feel I need to go around and see someone, and they're desperately seeking the Lord, and you turn up? You know, and he sent you there. That's a fantastic experience. And you think, thank you, Lord, because you get so encouraged. And they just go around and say, oh, the Lord sent you. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes the Lord directly. Listen to him in every sense of the word. So, what can we conclude? Well, it's just simply this. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised... Is faithful. It's a sure hope. It's a certain hope. We can all have that. We can all have assurance of what the Lord has done for us, of where we're going to go. And it will carry us through the trials and tribulations of this life. It'll carry us through all the difficulties we may have. It'll fill us full of joy in the joyful times and the happy times. But ultimately, we have to have that hope. We have to put our reliance upon that sure certain anchor that is anchored inside the veil, inside where the Holy of Holies is, that that's where we're going. That is our anchor. That is our... We should never forget it. And we should never forget it when we're doing our good works and our things in, in, in the community. And I don't think that we do, but let's always keep that in, in the forefront, that it's both and, you know, this life is very much dependent upon that life there as well. Amen? Amen.